Welcome to the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. I'm Stephanie Boyd, your host. In case you didn't know, Bammer stands for Badass Mother Runner. This podcast will bring you stories from across Kentucky and beyond about badass women running and the people that support them. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. It's Stephanie Boyd, the Bluegrass Bammer, and I'm back with another episode of the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. And today I'm excited to introduce you all to Karen Brady, who has an alias that we'll talk about in a little bit um, on social media. But I want to say hi, Karen, and welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you on tonight. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. I know you have a very busy schedule and um, that includes your, you know, the running that you do. So I appreciate you getting the time out to be with us no and chit chat a little. Of course, bit. one of our topics, of it course, is. which is running. I mean. <laughs> How can you not love to talk about running? I, I talk know. about it all the time. Yeah, I just decided to center myself around people that love running because I love to talk about it so much, and then I don't seem like such a weirdo. Exactly. So. <laughs> This is how we operate. So, well, anyway, I am so glad you're here. And um, we're going to talk about your social media and everything like that. So for those of you that don't know Kieran, I met Kieran through actually the KDF ambassador program uh, that she was an ambassador in 2016 and 20 uh, through 2017. And she's been an ambassador for lots of other uh, running related gear and things like that. And I'll let her tell us about that. But I remember when I met Karen, I was just enamored, first of all, by her personality. She's very bubbly. Like, you're always just, I mean, even when you are upset, you just have this, like, unique smile about you. And you're just very positive all the time, which is something I appreciated about you, like, right away. So I was drawn to your very positive personality when I met you. But um, I'm going to let everybody else uh let you know kind of learn about you through your own introduction so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of define who you are as a person what what are your labels that you give yourself and give us a little bio about yourself okay well um I consider myself the most indoorsy distance runner in the world um (laughs) I am a celiac which means I can't eat anything with gluten in it. I um, am, of course, a long-distance runner, which does not come naturally in my family. And um, like you said, I'm a generally all-around happy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all of that. That's a great assessment, by the way. I don't know if you had that pre-written, but that's pretty spot on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're great at summarizing. Some people just go on and on, but that was amazing. It's the journalism degree. So, yeah, there you go. So <clears throat> for those of you who may know Karen's other, um, her, uh, her other, um, I don't know what we call this, it. not your alter ego, but you have a blog and a social media and your handle is um, the Silly Athlete, which did I say that right? You did. And so if you don't know anything about her blog, we're, we're going to talk about it at the end, like how people can find you and you know, just read more about you and what you do. But she describes herself there as gluten-free, meat-free, and running-free, which I think is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it made me laugh a little bit when I read it, because if I didn't know you and I went to your blog, I would be like, I have to read more now. (laughs) Like, this is an interesting person. So I think, again, your journalism degree is working out. But, you know, you kind of 
<clears throat> I remember I found you because I was looking for uh, gluten-free recipes for a friend of mine that was running. And I just like did this weird random search and I did, I hadn't attached you as the um, KDF ambassador to this person on social media at, at, at first, but I had found you just by like looking up hashtags on Instagram and you were a suggested person to follow. And so I found you before I met you actually, if that makes any That's sense. That's amazing. And, <laughs> Yeah. And I just, and I love like all the stuff that you posted about the food that you were eating. And I just thought it was fascinating how you were fueling yourself in this way that I didn't, did, I was not familiar with in terms of runners. Like most of the runners are, I, I know eat meat and they can eat whatever kind of, you know, gluten products that they want and, you know, lots of carbs and things like that. And so it was pretty fascinating to just follow you on Instagram and see what you were doing and how you were fueling and all of these great outcomes that that you've had. It's pretty amazing. So I want to talk about that, but I think that we need to backpedal a little bit and always ask everybody on the podcast how you got into running. So you've already said long distance running is not like something that you just learn from somebody in your family. It's not something that necessarily comes natural. So tell us, when, how did you find out about running? When did you learn about running and kind of the timeline to that in terms of the history of your running journey? Well, growing up, the only person I knew who ran was my grandpa and he started when he was 50 years old. So, (laughs) okay, so I'm not too far behind. So I didn't start until I was like 37 or something. So So he started when he was 50, did marathons when he lived in Germany and everything. And, um, but you know, all I knew was when grandpa came to visit, he would be gone for a couple hours because he would go do his run. Nobody else in my family runs. Nobody. So um, when my grandpa ended up having surgery, um, back when he was 90, um, he had to stop running. Um, And I kind of picked up the mantle and have been doing it since. So, so the people in your, you know, your grandpa was the only one that was running. What did other people say about his, this activity that he did? I mean, did people just ignore it or was there discussion? Like when he came back, did he talk about his runs or, you know, why did you, why did you think this was a good idea for you to take it up? Um, I just saw like how happy it was. It made him when he would do it and when he would come back and, you know, he loved telling stories about what would happen on his marathons. Like he went, I think he did the Frankfurt marathon in Germany and the runner in front of him was running with like a backpack on. And when they came into his hometown, the runner in front of him pulled out a violin and started playing while they were running the marathon. (laughs) I mean, that's unforgettable. Right. Yeah. So I, and with me, I just, you know, I was a big walker, loved walking. Mm -hmm. And then I got bored (laughs) with walking and I was like, Hmm, well, maybe I'll just try to pick it up a little bit. So, um, one day at our little track on at the YMCA, I just started running. Hmm. Interesting. And so do you remember the first time that you tried running? What did it feel like well, I was wearing those ridiculous rocker shoes at the time. So Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were trying to be stylish while you were running. I mean, okay. come on now. You're very trendy. Um, I mean, I can totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> I have been called many things trendy. 
I don't know about that. But, um, well, you have awesome running shoes, so I, I mean. Well, I mean, yeah, and I'm probably one of the most colorful runners out there. But you're right. Um, but yeah, so it was it was hard, and I made a deal with my roommate. And if you guys are a fan, um, follow me on social media. You know my roommate Kathy. She mm-hmm. said that if I could run for half an hour on the track, I could sign up for a 5K. So that led to me doing that and signing up for my first 5K, which I ran in Cherokee Park. Well, I mean, if you're going to sign up for a 5K, you might as well find, like, the best in Louisville and just run the scenic route. I mean, why not? Because at that point, I hadn't even run outside. So, <laughs> And Kathy, does she run? Um, she has just started doing some 5Ks, like, just this year. Okay. okay, so she just thought this was a fun challenge for you then. And right. she was going to sit by and watch all of this happen. Correct. Well, after my first 5K, she chased me across the finish line. But, because <laughs> <laughs> she really wanted me to have that finisher's kick. Now, for those of you that don't know Kieran or Kathy, if you've ever met Kieran, at some point you've probably met Kathy, because Kathy is probably the best sherpa slash cheerleader slash signage person slash uh social media updater of what karen's doing i mean she's amazing and i remember the first time i met her almost felt like i was meeting like this famous person you know (laughs) for the first time because i'd seen her i'd seen you talk about her and she's very interactive with all the people that like to watch you know watch you race and she's just so fun i just i can't get enough of her she's so supportive of you i mean i think yeah yeah she just just totally is like your number one cheerleader and i we all need a kathy i think that's kind of in my head what i feel like we all deserve a kathy i I don't know if kathy deserves us i might start loaning her out i mean i'm not opposed (laughs) i'm thinking brenna kathy i mean she's amazing so can't say enough about her but if you all see a karen out running just say karen i want to meet kathy because i hope kathy's not mad at me but people no, need no, to meet no. her and know who she it's is. it's okay. true and i can make it happen <laughs> <laughs> so you ran your first 5k at, at cherokee and you that was your first like running experience it outside was my first outdoor running experience i had been on treadmills and i had been on a track didn't know such things as hills existed so <laughs> And you were like, I want to do this again? I did. Is that I did, you- like, yeah. the following weekend. I signed up for another one. And what year was that? Oh, that was 2011. Okay. Now, I don't want to – I like to chew people's horns because they don't really toot their own horns a lot. And one of the things I'll have to say, besides the fact that you're a very dedicated person I, to your training schedule, I – I'm kind of like you. I read in your blog or one of your posts the other day that you're very dedicated to what's laid out in front of you in terms of like the miles and the workout and the rest day. And, you know, you take all those things very seriously. I'm kind of like that too. I, I fall apart if I don't have a written plan, like in front of me actually. Yeah. And so you're very dedicated. You're very, um, motivational, I think for a lot of people, but you're also very fast and um (laughs) were you always did you always have that pace or no did you find it was hard to work because some people like they really 
will not talk about how difficult it is to get from that beginning part of running to the, to the pace that they eventually get to. So can you walk us through kind of what that process was for you and where did you end up? Because uh, for people that don't know, I mean, you, you time qualify for big races. So I have, tell yeah. us, yeah. So tell us about that kind of just what that journey was like for somebody who never even ran outside did a 5k and decided they wanted to do it somewhere. Well, um, my first 5k I did at a basically a perfect 10 minute mile, perfect 10 minute mile. So very disciplined. I mean, (laughs) um, so from there, I mean, it took me years of just slowly building up. And this was like before I knew coaches and training plans existed, I would just like go, I'm going to go for a little two mile run. And I didn't own a watch for years. So I was like using Runkeeper on my phone or something like that. So, um, and just over the years, um, I started to be better about my nutrition and everything. And just, I raced for one, one year, I think I raced pretty much every weekend. So not always recommended, but um, I was just continuing to get faster. Um, I ran my first half marathon in 2011. It was Chicago. And I finished that in two hours and 20 minutes. So I am now a two hour pacer, which means a two hour pace is pretty easy for me, right. to say the least. Um, right. I ran my first marathon in 2013. It was also Chicago. And mm-hmm. I Boston qualified there. Mm-hmm. For 2015. For 2015. Correct. Yeah. And as you, as this was evolving, how did you see, um, when did, when did you decide, okay, I needed, well, was, what was, what was the point where you were like, I need some help with this. If I'm going to hit some of these major races, did you do all of that without a coach? Um, Up until about when I started training for my first marathon, Um, And with that, I signed up for Chicago and then decided to also raise money for a charity. And it was Dean Carnassus' charity. So that came along with a coach-made training plan that specifically fit me. So that was when I kind of learned the importance of a training plan. (laughs) Uh Importance of the training plan. Now, how did you incorporate, like, any specific nutritional pieces into that because I would assume that 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 would be I mean especially in like 20 you know at that time frame there weren't a lot of coaches out there or a lot of resources for you to be able to make sure you were fueling adequately for that distance and that pace does that make sense it does how did you yeah how did you how did you work around that or how did you figure that out was it kind of trial and error well I actually got in touch with Ken Combs running store and they put me in touch with Donna uh-huh. <laughs> see I love how all of these things come full circle <laughs> I know right <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so Donna has been on our show yeah and she's a registered dietitian and she's a she's a coach and so she was a huge help for you then big help for me okay and you, so you did your first marathon can you tell us about that experience because we have a we have a lot of running friends in common through just, you know, our Louisville running community. And there are a lot of ladies out there that are thinking about the marathon distance, but 
they're not quite sure when they're ready unless they just ask somebody and they say, yeah, you're ready. I mean, but even there's some self doubt. How did you know when you were ready to jump from a, like a half marathon distance to a marathon distance? I was, you know, what, what you- I was running um, half marathons pretty regularly and I was, I just felt um, as I kept doing them, I was more confident um, in my finishes. I mean, everything is not going to be a PR and by far none, none of them not all of them were, but I felt like I was getting stronger and I was like, well, maybe I can go a little bit longer. So I thought about it and I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm ready just to um, try to take the next step up and do the full marathon. Now, how many marathons have you done completely that you, I mean, you're a marathon maniac, right? I'm a marathon maniac, yes. You keep a little tab. On how many? I've done 15 fulls. Um, I did nine That's of awesome. them in one year, which eventually is what broke me down. So. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that too. But so 15, I mean, that's pretty major because some people do one and they're like, that was great. And, you know, I'm not going to do any more. You know, I think there's just something about that distance and further, even like, so I grew up, there were no runners in my family that I ever saw, there was no one like to set that example. And so I remember when I started running, how hard it was to run a 5k to think that, I mean, only people that ran marathons were like, I watched them, you know, on television, we would watch the New York city marathon or, and so those were to me, all of those people were elite runners, the thousands of people that went and did that race. I could never, I, I would never, if you told me 10 years ago that I would run a marathon, that I would that I would do it. And then you ran nine in one yes. year. That's amazing. It's exhausting. So it's exhausting, yes. right? I mean, it's just a constant cycle and you don't realize it until you have to step away Correct. from it, how exhausting yes. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about your injury. If you're I'm cool totally with that, cool with that. because I know that you're, you talk about it, you know, you've talked about it in your blog and you still talk about it to this day, because obviously that's something that you have, that's always there mm-hmm. that you have to think about with your training and just being, being cautious and things. But I think I, I think I either read on social media or your blog post about when your injury actually happened, but for the reader, or for the people who maybe don't haven't read it or heard about it, tell us about the injury that you sustained. Um, and, I know that you've said, you know, you realize now after the fact things that you could have done differently, but just talk to us a little bit about that injury sure. and, and what you went through. Sure. Um, that was like the biggest emotional roller coaster I've ever been on my life. Um, mm-hmm. I tore my hip labrum in February of 2015. So, so you were training for Boston at that time? Correct. I was training for Boston at that time. I was actually preparing to, because Marathon Maniac, to run the um, Mercedes Marathon in Birmingham, Alabama, which is where my family lives. And um, I was on a treadmill and something just started hurting in my hip. And I was like, okay, I'll just finish this run because that's what runners do. And then I went to get down the stairs at the gym and into my car and it hurt to press the accelerator um mm-hmm. all the way down my leg so I was like okay something's wrong so I had to go see an orthopedic doctor and he actually said that I hadn't torn it because the x-ray didn't show it he's like it's not presenting itself as a hip labrum tear 
so we're just going to send you to physical therapy. We'll work you through it. We'll get you to Boston. Turns out nothing at physical therapy helped. No dry needling. None of the exercises they gave me. Just It was still just painful to move. So I went back, got an MRI. And three days before I left for the Boston Marathon, I get told I have a hip labrum tear. What did you do? I mean, what was your, what was going through your head? Well, after I started crying and the doctor panicked and handed me paper towels, um, (laughs) I asked him, I said, can I still do Boston? Because I was like, if this was any other race, I wouldn't even care, but I earned this one. And he said, we can give you a cortisone shot and you can see what you can do. You can't make it any worse. So that's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. I would think most if most runners were given that advice, that's what they would do. Yep. In that situation. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, but, but if true. you can't do any more damage to it, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you know, let's see what we can do to this body. Let's rip it all the way let's, through Boston. Let's <laughs> just do it. I mean, why not? So you went to Boston, and you obviously didn't have the experience that you thought you would. No. There. No. Um, I felt good going to the start line, and I got through about mile six without any pain. But I slowed down to fuel, and then it became a run-walk, and then it became – and that was to about the halfway point. So, And then I got it became a walk with some runs, and then it just became a limping walk all the way to the finish line (laughs) and you're I can't imagine kind of what the thought was I know you said like a medic approached you at some point he did yeah he came up to it was about I could see the Sitco sign so I was maybe more than a mile out so he was like can you tell me what's going on because I'm in a white bib which means I was in like the second wave so I was an early Mm -hmm. starter and here I am all the way in the back (laughs) And he's like, can you tell me what's going on? And I was like, I came into this injured. I'm only a mile away. I'm going to finish this. And he let me. He let me go. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. I mean, one more mile. I mean, at that point. Yeah. It was the first time I've ever had hypothermia. So that was mm-hmm. additional fun. It was a cold and rainy year in 2015. Mm-hmm. So you just had all of these perfect, like, it was the perfect storm for you that year. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> literally and figuratively literally and figuratively but you but you did get through it and so coming out of that race then you had to think about how am I going to deal with this now correct right because you just learned about it right before the race so you went home and what happened um my I went to see my doctor I brought him cookies because I bake things for people and um you do it very well thank you um and he sent me to physical therapy so for the longest time I was in physical therapy, not running, but basically trying to strengthen my hip because most people have surgery uh-huh. um, and he didn't want to do that because my tear was so small that uh-huh. he was like, I just think we can work around it. We can change your form. We can, you know... He's like, I'm going to send you to physical therapy. We'll try to do that. So I actually got to work with a running specialist and it took a while and some Uh alter G time, but (laughs) Uh she did eventually get me back out onto the road. 
and you, I mean that while you were doing that, you were going to races, right? Like where you walk, you were walking races. I was walking and... races. Yep. So that whole time that you're kind of rehabbing and thinking about, were you thinking about what happens if this doesn't work or oh, yeah. do, was there ever like tough doubt about, oh, yeah. I, about I, it? I never, I never like would put it online because I, I try to keep things pretty positive, but I would melt down sometimes as I was doing my stretches. Cause I am religious about stretching. I do. <laughs> I still do my PT stretches from this um, twice mm-hmm. a day. So I would like be there at night and there were nights where it was just hurting like worse than when I first, you know, had it. And I was like, this is just not going to get better. I'm just not going to be able to run. And then there were days where I'd be like, I'm totally pain free. (laughs) So, um, and it would fluctuate until one day it was just, it would just niggle. And then it was just, it would get better. And you know, it, the body's a weird thing. So, Yeah. And I don't, and I'm obviously not asking you this to like put you through all of this, you know, and talk about it uh, to, because it's hard to talk about, but I think it's important for other people to understand who may be injured or who may um, feel like they've had setbacks for whatever reason that, you know, there, there is, there can be a turnaround point. And I mean, how long would you say it was before, do you remember when you felt I might be ready again to like really race? Um, yes, I went ahead during this whole rehab thing and gave myself um, a goal of doing the Kauai Marathon in September of that year. So things were actually going pretty, you know, from April to probably about August, I was like, I mean, it was iffy, but I was like, eh, at least I got a trip to Hawaii out of it, you know? <laughs> I mean, if worse comes to worse, at least you're in a warm, sunny Correct. place, right? So um, I was, luckily they have like a very lenient cutoff time. So I wasn't too worried about time or anything. Um, Cause when I was cleared to actually run outside where, you know, pavement can be uneven and everything, I was taking it super easy because I was just, well, I was scared at first. Scared. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what if I like step weird and it just tears it some more and stuff like, cause I'm, I mean, I don't know how it works. I didn't know how I, I did it in the first place. But you, you, you never really knew when you tore it or how you tore it nope. or. Nope. And what I was actually told was um, basically it's my this is actually a pretty common injury, especially with women because of the way we are built. So, um, he said it probably would have happened eventually. It's just, I was so active. It happened sooner rather than later. Wow. So, well, well, needless to say, good for you for getting it over. That's right. But needless, (laughs) I mean, what can you say? Get it done early. (laughs) Focus on other things. But needless to say, when Kauai time rolled around, um, I started having pain in my um, ankle on the other side. And Mm -hmm. um, I was doing, I think, a training run, a 16-mile training run through Louisville. And it just, it would bother me. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's probably nothing. Turns out, it was a stress fracture from compensating. (laughs) So I ended up going to Hawaii in a boot and not running a marathon and getting really strange tan lines. (laughs) <laughs> oh 
was not anything you could really foresee no. happening. <laughs> so you just have to make the best That's of it. That's true. Obviously. It's very true. So, um, you know, I actually had a lot of injuries come out of the hip labrum tear but um i did eventually the following year get to Kauai and run the marathon so right yeah all, all things happen in good time that's right but you know just thinking about that and your recovery time and some of the setbacks i mean it didn't stop you and um you know so fast forward to where you're at now and how you feel. I mean, you're ready to you're ready to go back to Boston, right? I'm aiming for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is exciting. I'm excited for Thank you. you. Um, I mean, I think you can you have you have the ability to do everything within your power to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and I just really can commend your ability to be patient even on the days where you didn't feel like you were patient. Um, because you're very young and you have a lot of time left to run. And so there's this whole, you know, people fight that urge to run on an injury mm-hmm. because they just, you know, our bodies crave that when it's something that we do regularly and it's hard to pull back and be patient and believe that it's going to get better. And, and I'm sure that's hard when you're in the middle of an injury, but to come through that and you've really documented it for other people. I mean, I think it's just really a powerful testimony that you have to be able to tell people, you know, I could have like, I could have been really salty about all of this and been mad about it and, you know, just get, given up or, you know, not had these goals again, but you're kind of back. I mean, you just had like this, this setback and you're back with this, even I feel like more positive attitude about the whole thing. So I, I hope you know that by you sharing your story with people, you've really probably motivated people you may never actually know. Do you get that from people like on social media? Or do they tell you or do they send you messages about, hey, I had this happen or, um, you know, I've had the same injury and thanks for posting. Do people tell you I that? do get some um, direct messages and some messages on my social media, um, especially from people who are going through um, similar injuries that I have had. Um, and that's one reason I do try to document it. I mean, part of running is, I mean, you're not going to run forever and not get injured. Injuries happen. I mean, right. And sometimes they're stupid. Sometimes they're, you trip over a frozen piece of mud in the, three o'clock in the morning and bang up your knees not that i've ever done that not that we know anyone that's ever done that never those of you that that. don't know karen she runs actually strava's confused about when she runs we all know when she runs which is before work but apparently it's like a late night run because she starts running at 3 34 a.m in the morning so yes um, strava's totally confused about what time of day it is when karen runs but we all know when you're running so it's cool but it's, it has its own set of, uh, you know, um, precautionary measures you should take when you're running. Very true. <laughs> in, the middle of the night. in the cold. In the cold. Um, in the cold. So, so now you're, so you're training and you're thinking about a fall race. I know you haven't said what that race is yet. Can I, you give us like a glimmer of I what you finally find? decided on it actually today? Oh. Today, Did you? just, just before this. this, I registered, yes. Um, Holy I'm cow, doing, can you tell us? I can. I'm doing the Indie Monumental. <gasps> Yay! Yes. That's so close. And so yes. many of us here in Louisville will be there. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I had it narrowed down to three. And it was going to be Mill Race, Columbus, or Indie Monumental. And 
I gave it a lot of thought. I, I did Monumental last year. I had a blast. So I was like, I'm going to do it again. Good. Yay. I'm excited for you. Yes. So it's going to yeah. be epic. Newsflash, you heard it here first. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So, so, okay. So you have some time to train for that. And I know that you will be stellar in your training because you're just really good at, at following plan and, and all of those things. But, um, so you are a part of, uh, moms run this town. She runs this town here in Louisville. And, um, I've, I know that you see some of the questions and the things that come through on the group about, you know, training for races while injured and things like that. And I mean, you've, you've had some really good, um, kind of feedback and sometimes you jump in and say things, but if you talk to people that have, um, questions about, you know, getting through an injury or trying to train while they're injured, do you have words of wisdom or advice or what do you tell them, um, in terms of just being cautionary? Because you made the comment earlier, 15 races in one year is probably not like the best idea. It's not smart. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, first and foremost, I like to tell people, don't be afraid to rest. So Mm -hmm. often, especially in female athletes, we are afraid to take the downtime. And sometimes that is exactly what we need as athletes who are, you know, injured, healing up an injury. That being said, I was in the pool a lot. When Mm -hmm. I had the hip labrum tear and the um, ankle thing. I'm not a swimmer. I'm horrible at swimming. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, you know, um, it was a way for me to keep active. And it was cleared by my doctor and my physical therapist um, as a way that I could do it. And I didn't do it every day because I knew I did need to let my body heal itself. And with um, something that's in an area... That's the thing with the hip labrum. It will not heal on its own because there's no blood Mm -hmm. flow that goes there. So um, I forever have a tear, which is something I'm always very aware of. So, Sure. um, Yeah, probably really hyper aware of that. Hyper aware. I would think. Yes. So um, whenever people are like, what can I do? What can I do? One of the first things I always say is don't be afraid to rest it. I think that's perfect. We, lots of times, I think rest is something that people will skip, and also warm up and stretching and cool mm-hmm. down. That I used to be a very, I, I, I was horrible at it. Um, and once I started doing it and saw the benefit yes. of it, and I, then I realized, you know, I had to, I had to continue to do it. And there are days where I'm, when I'm pressed for time that I feel like I can skip it. You know, I, I have that, I want to get on that dangerous line where I want to skip it. But then I remember there's so many other people that have told me that's, sh- that's just, you're asking for trouble yeah. if you don't do those well, things. So um, yeah. one thing my, my Resting current coach um, has told me to do on days where I'm pressed for time at least do a lunge matrix before the run. So it just kind of gets your legs and body moving in all different directions and you get a little bit warmed up and then you can go. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, and people think that pace and speed has something to do with it, but it's really doesn't, it's any runner, any pace. They, everyone needs to follow those really best practice sure. in order to stay healthy while they're running. So, um, so those are good reminders, but 
So I want to shift gears for just a second and ask you about, um, because people are going to want to know, you kind of, you're self-described as this gluten intolerant vegetarian food. Correct. So you, you love food and you love to eat and you don't make any, like, there's no pretense. Like you can be, um, you know, you can have the, where you need gluten-free and, and you can have diet my, I want to say restrictions because that's not even the word my husband uses <laughs> being a dietitian, but you, but you, you enjoy food and the food that you have, that you make is so is Karen is like, she's, well, she can make, I feel like she can make anything, but she bakes and she has like these little lemon bites that are so delicious. So I'm like, people think food like has to be made of certain ingredients to taste good. And I feel like you've dispelled a lot of myths and you, you lots of times you like post recipes and pictures of food that, um, you know, that you've created these beautiful dishes. And so tell us about your passion for that. And what is your favorite thing about cooking? And, um, for people who may have, um, who may need to have like a gluten-free diet, what are some of the challenges they face when they're running and how did, how did you overcome that kind of thing? Do you have to, you just have to cook a lot of your own food. Yeah, I do cook a lot of my own foods. Eating out can be a pretty scary when you are a celiac. I mean, any amount of cross contamination can just, you know, make me sick for a week. Yeah. It's very painful. And um, so, I mean, even places that are like have gluten-free menus, sometimes I'm even very wary. So um, I had to actually, I was not, when I moved away from home to come up here to live and go to college, um, I was, I didn't know how to cook at all. So, um, it was actually took Kathy, like making, um, rice that was still hard <laughs> when she was done picking it for me to go, you know what, if I'm going to survive, I'm going to have to learn how to cook. And back and. Actually, yeah, and I, I didn't actually get diagnosed as a celiac until I was 30. So, um, okay. uh, so that was also a learning experience. I, ha- I stopped running when I first got diagnosed because I was down to about 92 pounds in shoes and clothes. So my body just stopped absorbing nutrients and um, doctors were like running all the tests on me, trying to figure out what was wrong because I was super scared. I was like, I shouldn't look like this. You know, I'm, I'm eating like 5,000 calories a day and it's not working. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I stopped running briefly, um, then just to try to put on some weight, get healthy, get my diet figured out. And it's not easy. I remember standing in the grocery store after my diagnosis and just crying. I was crying because I was like, I don't even know what to get. I can't buy bread. I refuse to pay $7 for a loaf of bread. And you know, right. Right. I mean, you just kind of take for granted when you don't have to be mindful of those things, you can go in and pick up pretty much anything you want to eat in the grocery store. And you can't do that when you, when you have to really pay attention to what you're buying and what you're, what you're putting into your body every time that you eat. I mean, that's, it's a huge, like a culture shift, mind shift. It's a a financial shift. Very much so. It's a, (laughs) (laughs) there are all these components (laughs) to it. So Um, you know, I guess I would say, you know, with you going through that diagnosis and, you know, you're scared and trying to figure out what's going on, um, for people who have, um, celiac disease, do you, do you know other women who have it that are running? I mean, do you have a support system or are you kind of just 
winging it out there and you're just figuring out what works for you. And how does that, how, how do you work all that out while you're trying to train to Boston qualify for a race? I um, turned to the internet and I ah. did a lot of research. Like a lot of people, I searched those hashtags on Instagram or whatever. And um, I just came across um, some people that were very helpful and um, could at least like give me ideas of where to start and um, just how to navigate this new way of eating. And um, from there, I started cooking, creating recipes, and just seeing what worked for me. Well, you look, I mean, to me, when I see you, you look very healthy and you are strength, tra- you're doing strength training with your, with your training for your, for your races. Yes. And I mean, I think you, you look amazing. So I hope you feel really well because I do. when I see you, I'm just like, you look really strong right I now. I do. Um, it, it has taken, it took me about three years to like actually get to a healthy weight, um, for my height and, um, it, it was just a lot of trial and error and figuring things out. But, um, once I got there, I knew what I needed to do and I've been mm-hmm. able to keep that going. And, um, I mean, it's really worked out and the strength training has definitely helped. Um, hiring, um, Corey queen has been a game changer because I'm, you know, I skipped, I don't know what to do with weights. I mean, I can, I can go to a mm-hmm. body pump class, but. I mean, sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how, right. to, I mean, I can lift things up and maybe I'm doing it right, but I, I don't know. So I wanted to get someone, maybe I'm right. I wanted to get someone <laughs> who could help me and guide me. Um, so just so I knew what I was doing and that I was doing it right. And I wasn't doing anything that was going to hinder my training. Cause I didn't want to do that either. Right. So, um, and you want to injure yourself. I did. I mean, there are people myself. that walk into a gym and injure themselves starting a weight training routine. It's actually really surprising um, what people think that they should do and what they're capable with, but it's kind of like running. I mean, you have to like take it in small bites. And, you know, if my husband told me I could bench press 50 pounds, I would tell him no, you know, six months ago. But then if I follow a regimen that he gives me and, you know, I do what he asked me to do and I do it with proper form and proper caution, I am bench pressing 50 yes. pounds, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's things that you didn't think that you could do. And I think sometimes women are, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but I know when I talk to other women, I'll say, Hey, do you want to come with me to the Y and I'm going to go work out in the weight room? Um, because just like running, I like to talk to people when I'm Same. working out. And, um, yeah. And so but a lot of women are still for whatever reason intimidated. And I think part of it is feeling like a dumbass when you walk in there because you have no clue what you're yes. doing. And I only have that confidence because I've had a personal trainer help show me how to use the equipment, what is appropriate weight for me to lift. And when I go in there now, I, I do see other women who are working out. I mean, I, t- I think I posted one night, like, I'm just going to go walk up to women randomly in the gym and ask if they want to work out with me and then go run with me because, you know, it's so refreshing to see other women who are maybe my age and, um, you know, are, people just don't, wouldn't think that they're in the gym lifting weights. Right. So I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad you're following, you know, professional opinion on that because, it's it is very easy to get defeated to walk into a weight room and try to lift weights and feel like you failed the first oh, yeah. time I, because was, it is difficult. There were so many times I would go and I would start and I'd be like, "This is boring. I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> I mean, how do I make this fun? Yeah. I mean, right. 
absolutely because like a class at least the other people on there and i don't know about you but when i'm in body pump i'm competing against the lady next to me it's kind of like when you get so, on a treadmill <laughs> yes we are racing at that exactly. point so yeah so it is hard to just walk into weight room and do that but i do tell people if they don't know where to start you know go ask for like a couple of personal training sessions or find a trainer who'll walk into a gym with you because it will make you such a stronger oh, it runner. It has made me a better runner. It honestly has. So thinking about that, I know that one time we talked about maybe you tiptoeing into the waters of like a different area outside of marathon Correct. distance. So that might mean like, <laughs> do you have some, I mean, other than this huge goal that you have of qualifying <laughs> Are you thinking outside of that and other types of races that you would want to do? Or is there some like bucket list race that you're thinking about that you want to do that's even maybe something you never like ten, five years ago you wouldn't even cons- have considered? Um, for a while, I thought I could do triathlons. I learned quickly. That's not my thing. <laughs> but um, is it the swimming? It's, it's the swimming. Yeah. I, I hired a swim coach once. He said I swam mm-hmm. like a runner. So, um, <laughs> that is never flattering. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't even know what that means, but he's like, you're kicking from your knees. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. but I yeah. think after I get Boston out of the way, cause it's going to happen. Um, I'm, I may <laughs> stick my toe into maybe an ultra. We'll give that a try. Nice. <laughs> Well, I know that you like Chicago, and they have the 50-50 there. That's true. Like well, see, it's Chicago like was my first half. It was wow. my first full. Maybe I should just All keep right. the trend. Just put that in the back of your mind for later in case you want to Google That's it. That's right. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, I'm a fan of that dis- of those distances, so I would love to see you We, could, we could train but together. Don't listen We to could me. train together. <laughs> well, we could on paper, probably. I'm probably not going to keep up with you on a run, but I would try. Give it a go. I don't know. I would try my, for a little bit. keeps telling me to slow my runs down, so. Yeah, yeah. there is a method to that yes, madness. So, well, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing everything that you're going to do this year into 2020. And um, before I let you go, I want to um, just ask you what I've been kind of asking everybody at the end of the podcast is, so the whole premise of the, po- the podcast is, of course, uh, focused on bammers. And so when you hear that word, what do you, what characteristics do you feel like a bammer, um, you know, what, what, when you hear bammer, what are the words that you think of or women that you see and you're like oh she's a bammer you know why would you call her that? um usually it's women I see who are strong and relentless and they just don't give up on you know goals even if it's going to take years they still keep striving to reach that goal that they have set um I mean we have all been that person we are all still that person and you know it's it's someone who I just think emulates strength femininity and just never giving up i agree totally 100 and you are a bammer and for those of the don't know karen and i love wonder woman yes. that's like our she is our ultimate bammer um this is who we want to be like when we grow so up true. although we kind of all feel like we are like her some I days so. um yeah. So, well, I have to say you totally fall into that category. I think you're amazing. I love watching your journey and just seeing what's happening um, with you and cheering you on. Like whenever you have a great day, I'm like, yay! <laughs> you know, it's just fun to watch. And um, 
So thank you for being on the show. If people want to follow you or they want to, um, you know, check you out on social, where, where can they find you? Um, at? on Instagram, I am the Sealy Athlete. I'm Captain Keeks, C A P N K E E K S on Twitter, and Karen Brady on Facebook. Awesome. Well, I know people will be checking you out because they're going to want to see how you're doing with your training and uh, pick up some awesome recipes maybe in the, you know, in the midst of I'm all of that. I'm going to start posting them again there, on my I, blog. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's where, um, if you want to see the recipes, you can look there. She doesn't tell you all of her secrets, but just enough um, to get you hooked. So make sure that you check all of her social accounts out. And Karen, I can't say thank you enough for just all the inspiring um, work that you do, not just, you know, here in Louisville, but I think you have a following that's outside of Kentucky and um, there are people that are really watching you and rooting you on. So thank you for all your positivity in the running world. We, we love well, that. Thanks, about Stephanie. You. Okay. Well, if you guys want to check Karen out, go check her, um, all of her social media accounts out and I will put them in the show notes so you can click on them there in case you didn't pick those up during uh, the show. So thanks, Karen. Have a great night and we'll be, we'll be thanks, watching Stephanie, you. you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bluegrass Bammer podcast. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the next episode when it's live. Also, you can find me um, on my blog. That is bluegrassbammer.wordpress.com. Or you can follow me at Bluegrass Bammer on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. See you next time. And until then, happy running.